0: Hey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. My name is Fernie, and I'm the pastor here at Mid-City Church. I am so excited that you're joining us as we begin this season of Advent, and we'll be going through a series called Wonderful, Joyous Day for All. It's a, a, a four-week series so that we will follow the four weeks of Advent, and uh, each week of Advent, we will be following the lectionary reading. And basically what that means is um, uh, these these texts that are pre-picked for churches all around the world to use that will take us through the story. And so literally there's hundreds and thousands of churches that will be studying the same scriptures that we will be studying the next four weeks. And all of us will be studying them together, which is the beauty of Advent. So I hope you're ready for Christmas, but don't jump to it quite yet because Advent is not Christmas, it's a season to prepare for Christmas. You'll learn all about that in a little bit. So get ready, cause here we go. out of all the stories that my dad has ever told me about him growing up, my favorite by far is the story of his first trip to Disneyland. I'll never be able to tell it as well as he does, but basically, when he was a young kid, his dad called him up one day and asked him if he wanted to go to Disneyland. Now, you have to understand that my dad's parents were not married, so a trip to Disneyland was not just an opportunity to go to the Magic Kingdom, it was also an opportunity for him to spend time with his dad. So, uh, quickly, my my dad says that he packed his bags, uh, his dad picked him up, and they made their way to El Paso, where they would cross the border and then take an overnight bus to Los Angeles from El Paso, and then they were going to visit Disney there, right? So, uh, this is important because there were two stipulations for making this trip a reality. First, my dad needed immigration to give him a permit to travel in the U.S., which, because he was a kid, it was pretty easy to get, so that checked off. The second thing that needed to happen was that uh, his dad, my grandpa, he had to go to some meetings the first couple of days, and then on their last day, uh, the last day in LA, they would go visit Disney. So they make it to LA early in the morning, and his dad goes straight to meetings. Day two, straight to meetings. Day three, straight to meetings. Day four, the day they're supposed to go home, his dad, my grandpa, looks at my dad and says, look... I need to go to a really short meeting this morning, but as soon as I finish, we will go to Disney. And then we're gonna get on the bus that night and drive overnight back to El Paso. So again, this this, uh, going to meetings in the morning, spending the day at Disney, and then driving, uh, riding in a bus all night, it was easy to do all of those things in one day. But you might be shocked to find out, or maybe not. The meeting went longer than expected. But but still, to, to my grandpa's credit, once the meeting was over, my grandpa looked at the driver and said to him, let's go to Disney like I promised my son. And sure enough, they drove to Disney. My dad started getting giddy and excited, and as they got closer and closer and closer to the entrance, suddenly, out of nowhere, his dad says, it's nice, isn't it? And then he proceeds to turn to the cab driver and say, well... Now that my son has seen Disney, let's go to the bus station. My dad and I joke about it now, but technically his dad did keep his promise, right? He did take him to Disney. He just didn't take him inside of the park. I'm pretty sure my dad has recovered emotionally from that day, but I can only imagine as that little kid how crushed he was when he realized That what he had been waiting for was a complete lie. That he had gotten his hopes up of hanging out with his dad in the happiest place on earth, and instead, he found himself sitting in a cab car, heartbroken that things didn't turn out the way he wanted them to. You know, that's the thing about joyfully awaiting something. It comes with the risk of heartache. See, for the child excited to get ice cream after school, only to find out that plans have changed, the joyful awaiting turned into heartache. To the kid who was waiting to hear back from their special crush after asking them out on a date, only to be told no, the joyful awaiting turned into heartache. For all those who have ever gone home for the holidays excited to see everyone, only to end up having to deal with family drama and arguments, The joyful awaiting turned into heartache to the person who received a bad diagnosis after realizing that all the treatment options didn't work. The joyful awaiting turned into heartache to the parents who were excited about giving birth only to find out they had a miscarriage. The joyful awaiting turned into heartache to everyone who was excited to see the Saints play this year. The joyful awaiting turned into heartache. The reality is that we all know what it's like to joyfully await for something, to get excited, to prepare, to look forward to something, only to be let down, only to see our joy be turned into heartache. And I think that if we truly pay attention to how we feel in those moments, I think we can all relate to the feeling my dad had as their cab drove out of the Disneyland parking lot and to the bus stop. Our scripture for today, uh, as we begin this season of Advent, comes from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. And it challenges us to await for a coming day with great anticipation. Uh, so listen to what it says. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the sun. only the Father knows. As it was in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the human one. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. They didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the human one will be like that. And at that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming. But you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you also should be prepared, because the human one will come at a time you don't know. So this scripture is what is known as an apocalyptic text, which is a fancy way of saying that this scripture tells us about the end times. And we see this type of writing all throughout the Bible. We see it in places like the book of Isaiah, we see it in the gospels, but most prominently we read apocalyptic writings in the book of Daniel and Revelation. And throughout all of scripture, we get glimpses of what these days will look like, what these end days will look like. So, reading apocalyptic scripture seems like a weird way to start Advent, though, right? I mean, with Thanksgiving behind us, our hearts and our minds are now tilting towards Christmas Day, and we're now preparing ourselves for family gatherings, Christmas parties, and everything else that this season brings. And yet, here we are, at the beginning of Advent, reading apocalyptic scripture. It may seem odd to us, but Advent always begins with the reading of apocalyptic scripture. We, we don't begin Advent by remembering the angel appeared before Mary or Joseph. We don't begin Advent by remembering the joy of Elizabeth being pregnant to John we, or with John. We, we don't even begin Advent by remembering the fact that there was no room in the inn. We begin Advent with apocalyptic scripture. But Why? So theologian Carl Barth describes Advent as a season between the times, and I think this is a beautiful way of understanding Advent a season between the times. John Burgess, who is a professor of systematic theology at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, describes this between the times as this it says on the one hand, Advent reminds us of God's promise to Israel on the other uh, uh, on the other hand um Advent calls us to anticipate the day on which Jesus will return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, so let me kind of break that down. Uh, On one hand, Advent reminds us of that starry night on which Jesus was born to deliver us from sin and evil, right? On the other hand, uh, we uh, are reminded of that day in which Jesus will put everything that resists him, death, uh, even death under his feet and God's kingdom will be fully established here on earth as it is in heaven. So, this in-between times of Advent, right? We remember what has happened and we await what is to come. So this this first week of Advent, right? We not only joyfully await the coming birth of Jesus, we also joyfully await the future coming of Jesus through which God's kingdom will be fully established. And, and I don't know about you, but... The last thing I want to spend my time thinking about is the end days right now, right? Or as scripture tells us, days that will remind us of Noah's Ark and all those who were swept away by the flood, days in which some will be taken and others left, and being challenged to stay attentive and alert for the coming of Jesus, just as a homeowner should be attentive to thieves who try to break into their homes. The reality is that reading or even thinking about awaiting the end times as we enter into Advent just feels wrong and maybe even uncomfortable. And I get it. We're afraid uh, that our awaiting will turn into heartache. What if we find out that we're the ones that didn't make it on the ark? What if we're the ones who are left in the field or grinding in the mill? What if we are the ones not ready when the thieves arrive? What if we are the ones who simply hear about the beauty of Disneyland, the ones who get so close but never actually get to go in? Awaiting the end days with Christmas trees and decorations all around, it brings trepidation and fear because we tell ourselves that we don't know how the story will end, what the outcome will bring, or what our path will entail. And yet, as we begin Advent, Scripture tells us to prepare for this unknown day in which Jesus will return at a time with which we do not know so that the greatest act of love can unfold before us, which is heaven being established here on earth. Now, if you feel that way, uh, this worry or trepidation to uh, joyfully await for this coming day, I've got to tell you, you're not alone. I cannot even begin to tell you how many conversations I have had with people regarding this very day that this text tells us about, right? The amount of people who tell me that they fear the return of Jesus, because what if they're on the wrong side? The amount of people who choose to skip verses like these uh, because they simply bring up anxiety and fear about the future, there's so many people. The amount of people who would rather not think that far in the future and instead just jump to the cozy feeling that Christmas brings, I've had endless conversations like this. But believe it or not, it's important that we listen to this text because there's actually good news in this text, uh, as we're told to await these in, uh, in these in between times, and I truly believe that if we can take these things to heart, it would change our perspective on how we wait and how we prepare for that wonderful and joyful day when Jesus returns once more. So, what's the good news? The first good news is it comes from uh, Matthew 24 verse 36, the very first verse we said we read, and it says this. Nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son, only the Father knows. Now, did did you hear that? No one knows. No one. Not the angels, not the Son, only the Father knows. In fact, in both Matthew and in Mark, in both of those Gospels, Jesus makes it very clear that only God the Father knows when that day will come. When I was a little kid, probably no older than 10 years old, my aunt suddenly started collecting a lot of water and canned goods and non-perishable items. No joke, her den was full from floor to ceiling with stuff. And as a little kid, I didn't really understand what was happening. But once I got older, I found out that my aunt's pastor had convinced her and many members of their congregation that the world was about to end. They had he had figured out the date that it was that it would end, and that they needed to store up goods because if any of them were left behind, they needed uh, these supplies to survive and to help each other survive. Now, I I know that most of us don't live to that extreme. But can you imagine living your life constantly gathering supplies of, uh, for survival and trying to figure out when that day will be so that you can be prepared? Can you imagine the amount of anxiety you would bring upon yourself trying to figure out the day and waiting to see if that date was right or wrong? For any of you who lived uh, through the year 2000 and the Y2K, you kind of know what that feeling is like, don't you? I don't even want to imagine living with that type of anxiety or fear looming over me every single day, which is why this text has the power to comfort us. So I want you to listen to it one more time. Nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the sun, only the Father knows. If you missed it, I want you to picture this. Think of Jesus and the life he lived. He brought good news to the poor hope to the captives, healing to the sick, food to the hungry, and so much more. All of this he did without knowing when that day would come. See, Jesus didn't know when that day would come, but knowing was irrelevant to him, or at least it seemed like it was irrelevant to him, because all he cared about was making this world a better place here and now for all people. Yeah, you know, I think that Jesus's life is the challenge that is being posed to us during Advent as we joyfully remember what has been and we await what will be. We are called to live our lives, not worried about that day, but instead helping people experience heaven here and now, right? As we live in this in-between, uh, we we remember what has been, we remember what will be, but the most important thing is right now helping people experience heaven. Now, just think about it. What if instead of trying to gain insights or information that even Jesus and the angels aren't aware of, we spent every day helping this world better reflect that coming day, here and now, for all people? Think of all the good that would happen in this world if we all lived that way. So that's the first good news that scripture tells us, right? We don't have to worry about that day, the day which of which Jesus uh, even Jesus doesn't know. Which means that instead of living with stress and fear uh, for that day and and avoiding texts like this, we can spend it helping people experience heaven here and now. The second good news is that even if we still live with the stress and the fear of that day looming over us, I've got to tell you, preparing ourselves for that coming day is actually quite easy. Let me explain. The scripture takes us back to the story of Noah and tells us that a day will come for us as it did uh, for the people in Noah's time. So uh, I decided to go back and read the story of Noah. and, and, And do you know what I found as I read it? I want you to listen to this text. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, Noah was a moral and exemplary man who walked with God. In other words, Noah understood the difference between good and bad, right and wrong. That's what made him moral. And he did his best to do what was right, to follow God. That's what made him exemplary. Now, did you notice what's missing here, though? At no point does a text say that Noah was perfect or blameless. All we know is that he did his best to do better every single day because he kept his faith in God. And that's all that God asks of us. We are to do our best and to keep our faith in God. See, if you want to experience the same kind of outcome that Noah experienced uh, before the flood, The text reminds us that we don't need to be perfect, we don't need to be blameless, we just need to try our best and walk with God and have faith in God, and if we can do that, if we can keep our faith in Jesus and do our best to be like him, then I truly believe that we too, like Noah, will experience joy on the day that is to come. Friends, as we begin Advent, we live between times, remembering what has happened and awaiting what is to come. And my hope is that you will joyfully await without fear or heartache. That you will trust that Jesus has made a way for you to experience the beauty of that day and that fear and worry can release their grip on you. See, because of what Jesus has done and what he will do, we can joyfully await today without the fear of heartache. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid City Church Sermon Cast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church/sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE G I V E the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.